Amen. I'm so glad you came to church today. You braved the elements to be in church because we are going back into the book of Hebrews and we're going to talk about better. Everybody say better. It's been a few months in uh, Hebrews uh, talking about verse by verse, kind of going through doing a verse by verse suppository, I mean expository teaching. Uh, and I like to do that, but then also we had a few occasions where um, we just went on a few topics that we felt like we wanted to cover, and I'll probably do that again. Uh, but uh, I want to go back to the book of Hebrews for a little bit today and uh, just remind us about how much better Jesus makes our life. And I'm, I'm convinced that whatever your life experience has been to this point, God has something better in store for you. If your marriage, he wants to make it better. <laughs> Come on, anybody want a better marriage? Who wants a better husband? <laughs> yeah. He wants to make your family better, your relationships better, your work better, your finances better, your expectations for the future better, the state of your soul. He wants it to be better, wherever it's at, your spiritual experience to be better. And that, the book of Hebrews talks often about this idea, this word uh, better. We are part of a better covenant built on better promises. We have a better high priest. And so whenever we come into a relationship with Jesus in any arena of our life that we will allow Jesus to come into, he always makes things better. He just has the spirit of better. Whatever was before, now better. So if it was, if it was bad before, he can make it better. Better, better, better. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. Okay. If it was good, he can make it better. If it was messed up, he can make it better. Come on. If it was messed with, he can make it better. Right? And when Jesus comes into the equation, I really believe that he doesn't just come to comfort us. He comes to lift us. Uh, Suzette talked about this idea that, you know, that our path keeps growing brighter and brighter. The Bible says we go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength. The path, of the path of the righteous grows from brighter to brighter. So I just want to announce to you today that your better days are in front of you. Your better days aren't behind you. Your better days are in front of you. Somebody say amen. amen. So thank you for clapping over there. You are awesome. You're better. I want to read a passage. Uh, you know, one of the things that I actually love about going verse by verse is it, you know, every pastor, every teacher uh, has kind of um, themes and concepts that uh, work in their soul and they kind of write the story of their life and I have those and, and when I'm just choosing topics and topical series, it could be easy to kind of just stay on the themes that 
and, and, and I should. I think any pastor should do that. But the good thing about going verse by verse is it kind of forces you sometimes to, to enter into uh, arenas of subjects that you may not normally gravitate toward. So today is actually going to be one of those. Uh, and I li- actually like this idea of where this is taking us. And so I want to read a couple of verses, Hebrews uh, chapter 5. If you're take, keeping track, this is better number 14. It doesn't matter, but who knew there was so much? And we're only in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5, verse 9, having been made perfect, Jesus became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's kind of lead in to the verses that I want to read that are going to be our subject today. Verse 11, concerning him, concerning this guy, Melchizedek, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk, and milk is pre-digested for you food. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes Only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Today I want to talk about growing on purpose into purpose. Growing on purpose into purpose. I don't know if you feel the same way as I do, but in some ways, it feels like we are in an era of stifled adulthood. Uh, The concept of failure to launch is out there where where young-ish type people, and maybe not even young, just have not gathered the strength or the wherewithal to launch out into their life, into their career, into who they are, uh, and, and many times are living for a long period of time in their parents' basement. Aren't you glad you braved the sleet? I've got more for you. Uh, just making an observation. Uh, I, watch, uh, I watch on college campuses it, that... There are such a strong opposition to somebody bringing maybe an alternative point of view to what liberal professors are teaching that they are not allowed on the campus because uh, the students need their safe spaces. And then, I am definitely not a political guy, and, and the political landscape right now is the reason why. It, it's, it's just... To watch the political pouting that goes on when people are not getting their way and there is this pouting thing and 
I watch all these things going on, and it makes me realize that our whole society is struggling at sometimes, it seems, to be an adult. So, so the concept of growing up into like a rugged, strong, could take a few hits and still keep going, somebody who could see the big picture, somebody who's learn to be a contributor and not just a consumer, um, somebody who's not easily offended about all kinds of stuff, it just seems to be more and more scarce. Growing old is inevitable, unfortunately. Growing up requires us to be intentional. And... Uh, as I said, this probably wouldn't be a passage I would normally pick to preach on Sunday morning, but here I am, and here we are. And this, this actually, this concept uh, that contrasts childish and mature is frequently occurring in the New Testament. I mean, it's, a, it's an idea that isn't just found in the passage I just read, but look at this one, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 and 2. I, brethren, this is Apostle Paul writing here, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Um, indeed, even now, you're not yet able. So Paul is saying, there's, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, there's stuff I would love to talk about, but you can't handle it. And the Bible is saying, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You've been a believer for 10 years. By this time, you ought to be contributing. By this time, you ought to be leading. By this time, you ought to be taking responsibility. By this time, you ought to be serving somewhere instead of just attending church meetings. By this time, you ought to be making things happen instead of watching them happen. Uh, and the Bible speaks to this pretty clearly. And, and I want to talk about some stages of growth and maturity that uh, the Bible teaches us. And I want to pull off this passage in 1 John 2. So how do we get from infants, milk, to mature and responsible and contributing and strong and vibrant? So 1 John 2 uh, verse 12 is where we're going to start. First John 2, 12. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who's been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him 
who's been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you're strong, the word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the evil one. And so John is writing this uh, passage of scripture, and he's addressing a church, he's addressing a, a body of believers that in many ways would be like ours, that there are different um, ages and levels of new believers, not yet believers, been a believer for a little while, people who have been around forever, uh, been around church forever, been around Christianity forever. And, he's, and, and I think all of these passages are, are helping us understand that the Father in heaven has an intention to bring forth and raise up mature sons and daughters. Not, not just people who are forgiven and going to heaven, but actually productive, contributing sons and daughters. People who, people who, have, who possess a degree of maturity, spiritual maturity, emotional maturity, maturity in their attitude, maturity in their thinking. So uh, I want to take us through these different levels that are mentioned in this passage and help us see something that I think could, could help us all grow on purpose into his purpose. So the first stage is the stage of little children, little children. So 1 John 2.12 says, I'm writing to you little children. This is that word that's translated infant, uh, technion. I'm writing to you infants because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. These are the ones who have understood they are forgiven. That's a beautiful thing, to be forgiven. And they're living in awe. They're living in gratitude. I've, I've been forgiven. And I don't want to undermine this in any way because I don't think any of us should ever lose this sense of gratitude. Forgiveness is an awesome thing. I mean, there is nothing I can do that would earn God's approval by my behavior. A right standing with God is given to me as a gift. Forgiveness is given to me as a gift. There's nothing else I could do that would make God love me more than he already loves me or want to bless me more than he already wants to bless me. The only reason any of us can have a relationship with God is because he is a forgiver. Anybody grateful for being forgiven? Come on. No matter how much you grow up in life, you are still going to make mistakes. You are still going to miss the mark. And our relationship with God is built on this concept of our God is a God who forgives. And I always want to live in gratitude. I want to live in wonder. I've been a believer for decades, and I'm still so thrilled that my God is a forgiving God, and I'm going to be grateful for it. And it's a great place, but it's just kind of an, it's an infant place, because just recognizing I'm forgiven is just the beginning. I had a friend um, who, in all, for all, in all 
honesty, kind of lived a fairly sloppy Christian life. And he had a bumper sticker on his car. Uh, you wouldn't know him years ago. Uh, yeah. If you have this bumper sticker on your car, sorry. It says, it said, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Yes, that's true. But I think that this, this level of infant, this level is the person who is focused on, I've been forgiven. Forgiveness is for me. Can you believe it? God wants to bless me. Can you believe it? Healing is for me. Prosperity is for me. It's for me, it's for me, it's for me. <laughs> now, that's a great revelation to get. That it's just not for everybody else, but it's also for me. I, I, so, God wants to give it to me. Because you have to get it to give it. And the intent of God is to bless, to cause us to flourish, to cause us to rise up and receive what his grace would give us. But it's never just for you alone. His blessing, his forgiveness, his favor, his grace is not just for you. That's an infant, right? An infant is make it better for me. I got stuff in my diaper. Make it better for me. I'm, I'm hungry right now. Make it better for me. Second level is uh, from little children to young children. I've written to you children, and this is a different Greek word, pation, uh, because you know, which means an experiential relationship, know, you know the Father. It's a beautiful thing when we start to grow up into wanting God for God's sake, not just for what he can do for us. We know he wants to do stuff for us, but I'm not worshiping God because of what he's doing for me. I'm worshiping God because I love God. I'm seeking God because I, I love God. I know God. I'm praying because I know. It doesn't matter if anything is going good in my life, I'm going after God. I'm not going to ever bail on God because things aren't going my way. I'm not going to stop reading my Bible. I'm not going to stop being a part of my church. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop pursuing God. I'm not going to stop worshiping. Not because of what he's doing for me, just because I know him. I've had an experience with him. I love him. I mean, you can see that. Now we're taking a step forward. When my kids were, were really little, Suzette and I, would, we'd go out of town, and then maybe a ministry trip, sometimes even on a uh, just to get away from them uh, for a little bit, and we'd come back, and when they were tiny, it was like, what'd you bring home for me? Then, after they got a little bit older, they actually started to miss us 
instead of what we were bringing home. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful place to be, but it's not a place to stop. Because it would be easy to stop at this level and go, me and Jesus is all that matters. I just worship the Lord. I just read my Bible. I just pray. You mean I have to do like serve other people? When we realize that our Father has an agenda which is more than just having a relationship, we are starting to grow up. The third level is the level of young men. Now, when I talk about this idea, I'm not just talking about chronological age, in other words, 21-year-old guys. I'm talking about across the board. But he writes this idea, 1 John 2, 1, I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. Um, Verse 14, I've written to you, young men, because you're strong. The word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the evil one. Young men, young women, younger, youngish believers, strong, overcomers. The word of God really living in you. Now, now we're starting to get somewhere. Now we're starting to go beyond just forgiven. That's good. It's a place to start. We're going beyond, I just love God for God's sake. Now, now we're stepping into something. Now we're strong. Now we're overcoming. Now the Word of God is starting to shape our operating system of life. Young men, young women. Our church has had a tendency to lean young uh, and, and because we realize that our youth are not just the church of the future. They are the church of the now. This is a picture that uh, was taken a few weeks ago um, of this is, in, this is our Sunday morning service. Sound being run by a high school kid, photography happening from a high school kid, lights happening from a high school kid, hanging out happening from a high school kid. (laughs) And these are high schoolers who are making church happen. They're... There's, there are people who are well beyond high school who are doing nothing to make church happen. And what we're trying to teach both our high schoolers and our aged adolescents is, hey, listen, this is your house. You don't don't need to hang around and wait for adult handouts. This is your future. This is your house. This is your inheritance. This is your legacy. Invest into it. Don't just sit back and say, oh, the adults will take care of me. 
Amen. I love it. This idea, this idea of being strong. Everybody say strong. Instead of just, instead of being a liability, we're actually becoming an asset. Instead of just being a drain, we become a blessing. Not fragile. Strong. I listened to a podcast a little while back. Young man who is at the head of a fitness bar company with now has all kinds of fitness um, products available. Quest. Quest Fitness Bars. They're pretty good. And he has taken this company, and it was the second fastest growing company in the U.S. last year. It's a billion-dollar company. Billion-dollar company. He said the turning point for him, he said, because there was a, a stage for him a few years ago where he was scrounging in the couch for spare change to put gas in his car. He said the turning point for him is when he became anti-fragile. When he said, I started to realize that all of my thinking wasn't correct thinking because it was ending me up having to scrounge in the couch for change. I started to realize that it wasn't all about me being right. And he said, when I began to move away from being fragile with emotions and fragile with stuff going on around me and being strong, I could step into, you can't change the world with fragile people. If, listen, if everybody has to walk around on eggshells around us, there's no way we're going to be a world changer or a world-changing church until we shed the fragile and rise up, be strong. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So that means when we show up for church, we show up strong. We bring our praise with us. We bring strong love with us. We bring strong faith with us. We bring it. And then he says about young men that they're strong, but that they're, they're overcomers. I'm written to you, young men, because you're strong and you're overcoming. Off the roller coaster. Learn to live life in the spirit of an overcomer. You know, being an overcomer doesn't mean there's no battles. Because actually, battles are what overcoming is all about. <laughs> if, there's, if there's no battle, there's nothing to overcome. And just this idea that you got this overcoming kind of spirit. You got this overcoming kind of attitude. It's like, you know what? You can, you can knock me down, but you're not going to knock me out. I'm either up or I'm getting up. I, because of God's help in my life, I may not be on top right now, but I will find my way to the top with the help of God. 
I may be having a, a tough chapter right now, but I know I look back and have so many stories of his faithfulness, and it might take six months, it might take a year, it might take three years, it might take five years, but I'm going to look back on this season and go, yep, another story of God's faithfulness. He helped me to overcome. That's where, that, that's the strength that God wants to put into all of our lives, where we're full of faith, we're full of victory. It's not about what's going on around us, it's about what's going on inside of us. And then he says, describing the, the young man, says that the word of God abides in you. A life that's built on the word of God. A mind that's been renewed to, with the operating system of the Word of God. So I'm not, I'm not getting my direction on life watching fake news. I'm getting my direction out of the Word of God. I'm, I'm determining where I'm going to go. I'm determining my sexuality by the Word of God. I'm determining my purity by the word of God. I'm determining the way I handle my finances by the word of God. Amen. I'm not looking at my circumstances. I'm looking at the word of God. Because circumstances change. The word of God will never fail. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Circumstances are going to come and go. Societal trends are going to come and go. But his word lasts forever. So you understand when, okay, so when we go from, I'm forgiven. It's a bit me, 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 woohoo, me. God loves me. God's for me. That's okay. But that's just the beginning. And then when we go, I just love Jesus, I love Jesus so much. Don't don't talk to me, just, I love Jesus. Don't ask me to do something, I love Jesus. Read my Bible three hours a day. When you start to move into this, all of a sudden, wow. And the only thing lacking in, in this particular stage is experience, right? How do you get experience? by experiences. So something powerful happens. Like you would, you would be impossibly pressed. I was going to say hard pressed, but you'd be impossibly pressed to tell me that God isn't into us paying tithe because I've got too many stories. I've got too much experience on this one. And it's like, you could, whatever you want to say, too late. I've got to, not only do I have the promise of his word, I've got my experience built on the promise of his word. Can you hear what I'm saying? It's like, if you were to have a theology and say, well, God doesn't really heal people right now. Too late. He already healed me. I got an experience. I got a story. I got a promise and my experience. You know, once you've stood on the word, when you've gone through a storm, 
and it carried you through and you came out into the sunshine on the other side, nobody can take that from you. Once you've experienced God's provision, God's protection, God's help, that's a powerful thing. So the young men, they have these great ideas, they have these theories, and they're, they're strong, and they're overcoming, but they still could use a little bit of experience. I think when you have those things married together, a, a formidable combination is taking place. Because I love this Hebrews 5 passage that we read. It said, solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, because of experience, like I've learned to stand, their senses are trained to discern good and evil. I'm learning, I've leaned in, sometimes too hard on people, and I've learned to take a step back and figure it out, get my bear. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, it's like if, you, if you're in real estate, you just, after a while, your senses start to know good deal, bad deal. You work with people enough, you know good dog, bad dog. You know what I'm saying? And then the fourth level is the level of fathers. And, and I don't want this just to be considered male, fathers, mothers, but verse 13 and 14, 1 John 2. I'm writing to you now, like in the active tense, writing to you fathers because you've known him who has been from the beginning. Big picture. I have written to you fathers because you know him who's been from the beginning. Fathers mature have a, a large broad perspective. They know that there's there was story before they came onto the scene. There, there's history that they are just riding on the shoulders of. I just I've known him who is from the beginning. God's got a plan, God's got a purpose, God's got an agenda, God's got a story and he's allowed me to come in. Fathers are flying at 30,000 foot with a big, broad perspective, and they, they start to see the big picture. They realize, I'm just seeing the big picture. This, my family is not about me. My church is not just about me. My work is not just about me. Fathers, and here's what, here's, here's what I watch happen when guys become fathers. They, they, they step into this place where they realize, I better get my act together. Because I got somebody that's dependent on me. Right? It's, fathers are receiving blessing and strength and provision and the goodness of God because they know they are responsible for more than just themselves. Fathers say, you know what? I better wait to buy that toy because the only difference between men and boys 
is the price of their toys. Can I get a brother to say amen? Come on. But a father goes, you know what? I better wait to buy that toy. I know I want it, but my kid needs school clothes. Fathers carry the weight. I have a friend that lives in another city, and I remember when he he'd bought a car for his teenage daughter, and she was thinking she was all cool. She wrecked the car. He paid for the car. He paid for the insurance. Takes the loss. She did it, but he's a father. He says, you know what? This is not going to ruin our relationship. It's just a car. I've got a bigger picture. And you might think, okay, could I be a father? Let me just tell you. I remember when, when we went down and Suzette's brother, Rip, we got in for his funeral when he passed away. We counted 100 young men that he had mentored, that he'd invested time and energy and effort into to help them grow. That's a father. See all those kids that we just took the picture of in the back? That's because of a man named Justin Clark, who you never hardly see on the platform, but he's fathering a generation. Come on. Fathers carry the weight. The Bible says creation is groaning waiting for mature sons. Romans 8, let's read these couple verses together. Verse 19, last verses of the day. For the anxious longing of creation, the craziness that's going on in our world, waits eagerly for the revealing of the mature sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself is going to be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. I remember when I first gave my heart to Christ, people were, were tossing this idea around the earthquakes, the famines, the storms, the wars. These are signs of the times. Signs of the times are everywhere. And now we look out at our world and it's crazier than ever. And I want to say, those are not the signs of the times. Those are the groanings of the earth. This is this crazy thing that's going on on, on our planet. Waiting. The earth is groaning. Our our city is groaning. Our nation is groaning. The nations of the earth are groaning, waiting for the church to rise up, waiting for the church to grow up. I believe that the earth is groaning. Not just looking for a church that has the best lights and the best video and the best music. I believe the church has been given this mighty mission of God. Our church has been given a mission 
that can never be fulfilled if we're just all fragile infants. It's going to take strong, overcoming, grown-up men and women of God. Anybody with me on this? I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads, please, and would you close your eyes? Father, we come before you, and we just say, Lord, we, we want to be that. We want to be the strong, overcoming, mature, broad perspective believers that you are wanting to grow us into. And I'm praying, Father, I know there's pain. I know there's stuff. I know there's all kinds of things going on in all of our world. Everyone has a pain point. But God, I'm believing that you are going to help us to rise up and fulfill what's on your heart for our earth. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Could we take a moment to pray together? Nobody looking around. Maybe you have never just submitted your heart into the Lordship of Jesus and found that sense of purpose for your life. Maybe you've never done that before. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you used to be lockstep with the purpose of God, but you know that you're not where you want to be, where you could be, where you should be. Or maybe you just feel unsure of where you stand. Come on, can we pray together? Nobody's looking around, and, but I just want to stand with you. Let's take that step together. I want to submit my life to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to be sure I'm right with Jesus. I want my life to count for something in this earth. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor? All over this room, God bless you. Come on, God bless you. More important than me praying for you. Just let God know. God, yes, you. I want you. I need you to come into my world. Is there anybody else that just says, yeah, include me in this prayer. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. No shame in this. Come on. No shame in this. Here's your moment. Let's all pray this prayer together. Just for everybody who lifted their hand, even those who maybe know they should have, but I'd like for us all to say this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life, my world, to your love, to your Lordship. I need you, I want you in my life. I know I've sinned, I come to the cross where you paid the price for a new beginning for forgiveness. So today, I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you.